0: You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Good day to you. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and today we're looking at unity and humility, unity and humility, today on Words of Encouragement. This morning, I want to talk about building blocks of the church, building blocks of the church. Uh, Unity and humility are characteristics of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are those characteristics lacking in our world, in our country? Let me say this. These are characteristics of Christ and should be also characteristics of everyone who claims to follow Christ. We've seen the opposite on display in the political realm, the kingdom of Hollywood, and even in Franklin Parish. There's not much we can do to make people unite with each other. There's not much you and I can do to make people be humble. So what do we do about these characteristics of Christ? What we can do is we can make sure that we, as children of God... That we are united and we are humble. These two characteristics are building blocks of the church that, that help us to build the spiritual church of God. And if you're at home uh, watching this, you can stand or not stand. I've, uh, report, I have heard earlier uh, last year a lot of you stood uh, for the reading of God's word. So I want to invite you to do that as we look at Philippians chapter 1. Actually, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Please be seated. Paul calls for unity among believers. In verse 1 it says, therefore if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete, in verse 2, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Paul is challenging these believers to search their hearts. Search your heart and see if, there's, if you have any encouragement or consolation in Christ. He wants them to consider if there's a love for Christ to be found in their hearts. And if there's any relationship that they have with the Holy Spirit, is there, is there anything going on between you and the Lord? And and through his Holy Spirit, is, is there any love that you have, any consolation in Christ? If so, Paul says, his joy would be made complete if they carry out his requests. If there's a love for Christ, then Paul shares a list of these characteristics that should be present in our lives These are building blocks. I want to call them building blocks this morning. These are very important to the building of God's church. In fact, these two blocks, without them, the church of God will fail. They're that important. That important. Let us look at Paul's list in verse 2. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Being of the same mind or like-minded he desired that we think the same way. Now, does this mean, I, I, you know, I have, I, it is amazing, certain friends that I have, when I share something, it's amazing how they come in. Oh, well, they just take it to the extreme, whatever I say. And so I want to clarify something for you this morning. Does this mean that Paul wants us to walk lockstep together on every little detail? Let me say no. No, it means as far as the scriptures and the mission is concerned, we are to agree. We are to agree on the scriptures. We are to agree on our mission as Christians in sharing the good news. There is room for variation on the method, in other words, how we do the mission. There's room uh, for, for various means, various ways of sharing the good news. But we must agree that it must be shared. It has to be shared. And so we can disagree on some methods and then realize that, well, my goodness, maybe God gifted you in in that way. And maybe that is how you're supposed to share the message. And then we can get a clue and realize, hey, God has gifted us in various ways. But the mission, the mission must be completed, carried out. If there's a love for Christ, then the people will be like-minded in their mission. If there's a love for Christ, they will be like-minded in their mission. In other words, the church comes together, the church comes together and talks about sharing the good news. Well, there is not going to be a disagreement as to whether or not the good news should be shared. There should never be a disagreement as to whether or not it should be shared. It should always be shared. How we do it. We can talk about that. We can figure out different ways. We can do it in different ways. Well, second, Paul asks them to maintain the same love. What's he talking about here? Maintaining the same love. Look, Paul is asking that they have and keep this love that they have for each other. They're, to, keep, they're to maintain this love. They're to keep it up. Each of them is to love others in the body of Christ equally. Not because they're equally attractive. Although, hey, we are in our own ways. But, but because each one of them was equally, is equally loved by Christ. And we're to maintain this love that we have for each other. Maintaining the love that God has placed in our hearts for each other. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means we need to act out in love towards one another. Maintaining love, it it takes more than just words. It takes more than just saying the words, oh, well, I love you, I love you. It means acting out on that. It means acting out on that love. If there is a love for Christ, then they will seek to maintain the love that they have for each other. Listen to what uh, the great uh, theologian and Uh, A.W. Tozer shared, he said, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow." So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So when Paul says, look, we are to maintain the same love, we're to keep that love going, we look to Christ. We look to Christ and we, we are reminded of that love. We, we experience His love. And then we share that love. We don't concentrate and focus on trying to love each other. We focus on loving Christ and in doing that we will love each other. It's how it works. Third, Paul asked them to be of one accord. Or be united in spirit, your version may say. This is possibly a word that Paul made up himself. It means one accord sold, one sold, S-O-U-L-E-D, one sold, together, united in spirit. It describes people who are knit together in harmony, having the same desires, the same passions, the same ambitions, being together, being on the same page, they are united for one purpose. If there's a love for Christ, then there will be efforts that will be made to be in one accord, to be united in spirit. This is this is what they talk about, uh, and I've I've seen this in action. I've seen it where uh, I've seen it where a meeting takes place, and uh, maybe a board of trustees, maybe deacons get together and they meet and they decide on something. And when once the decision is made, the deacons leave, and, and none of them speak despairingly of what happened and uh, and about the choice that was made. They walk out in unity. They voted, the vote was taken, uh, a decision was made, and they all come together and support the decision. Even if they were against it, they come and support the decision. That is unity. That is coming together, walking in spirit with one another. And I've seen that happen. And it's incredible. I've seen it when it doesn't happen. And it's horrible. But I've seen it when it does happen, and it's truly a supernatural occasion. Helen Keller knew about unity. She said, alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. We can't move forward. As a church, our church can't move forward. The church can't move forward unless and until it's in unity. It's in one accord about the mission. I tell you, i watch some churches, they get so sidetracked some pastors in particular get so sidetracked and they forget the mission and they get all involved in a bunch of things that are happening in our world and they preach the world in the pulpit and they get off track and the mission of the church becomes off track. Then we need to be united in one accord, walking ahead, walking in unity with the mission of our Lord. The Bible calls us to be united as one, as believers, united as one, as believers. Well, the next thing, so united, being united, unity is important. The next thing, Paul calls for humility. He moves directly into the topic of humility. Without humility, one will find it terribly difficult to be united with anyone, because you have to step down. You know, you where you, who you are, has to step down. In order to allow others to be united with you. Unity and humility are both essential building blocks we must have if we're going to be part of constructing the spiritual church of God. The King James translates the words uh, that Paul uses to be strife and vain glory. Uh, Look at at how the New American Standard puts it in verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. In the Greek text, this phrase is just one word, and it speaks of pride, the pride that prompts people to push for their own way. Isn't that interesting? Uh, the pride that prompts people to push for their own way. Paul says, You're not to do anything out of pride or for your own gain. Look, if we're talking about the mission of the church, we're talking about being united uh, and moving forward and sharing the good news, then there's no room for any of us to do anything out of pride. Or our own for our own gain. There's no room for that. And you see entire ministries in our world fall apart because someone has decided, well, it's all about me. And they've forgotten it's all about God. What happens when we do things out of pride and for our own glory? Well, there may be a few that praise us. There may be a few that say, well, I just really enjoy that sermon, Brother Craig, or I just really enjoyed that song. That was just, oh, wow, that was so good. Some may become, some may praise us, but when it becomes evident that each time we do something and it, it, that it's for our own advancement, then our credibility begins to fall apart. People begin to watch and say, hmm, you know, they're really about themselves. That's, it's their own pride and their own, it it just builds them up. That's, I'm just not going to tell them they did well because they know already. (laughs) And that's how sometimes it becomes. Paul says, don't do that. Don't be a part of that. People in this world and in our own church want to know that their brothers and sisters care about them. The only way they will know it is the way, is by the way you treat them. By the way you treat them. Don't do anything out of selfishness or empty conceit. But do it with humility of mind. Regarding one another is more important than yourselves. King James uses the, word, the phrase lowliness of mind. I like the way it puts it. Uh, I like that. Uh, a person with humility is one who lowers themselves, lowers themselves to the needs of others before taking care of the needs of oneself. You see this sometimes at uh, church eating meetings. Uh, you, you see this sometimes. Uh, there, there seems to be always someone who runs around makes sure everybody else is okay. You got everything? Do you, do you need some tea? You, yeah, you know, there's so, there always seems to be someone that is taking care of everyone else before they sit down. I had a grandmother like that, Grandmama Hill. Uh, we, I remember going Jefferson Page Road. We would go and see my grandparents, and we would sit down at the lunch table at the uh, at the at the table in the kitchen, and we'd sit there in that in that kind of dining room alcove type place, and we would sit there and we would we, we would pray, and immediately my grandmother would get up, and I'm like, well, what's you know? Well, she had to get the rolls. You know, or she had to get, and then she, everybody okay? Everybody, does anybody need anything? She wouldn't sit down until everybody was okay. And then when everybody was okay, she had to make sure one more time, does anybody need any more peas? I mean, she, she just took care of everybody. And, and I remember my mom trying to convince her, it's time to eat. You need to sit down, mama, and eat. And I always thought that was interesting, but she took care of other people. Uh, Other people came before her her, her own self. What an example I had in this. Andrew Murray wrote, Humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. I like that. Humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. It means allowing God to use you. It, it It means allowing God to take care of you. You let God use you in helping others, and God will make sure that you're okay. It will be all right. You will be uh, taken care of. This humility of mind regarding one another as more important than yourselves it is so important to be humble, to be thinking of others. Look at verse four. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Hmm, does this mean we're to not take care of ourselves? I have some people that take things to the extreme. It's amazing. And if I put this verse out there for people to look at, I can tell you without doubt I would have someone say, Oh, well, so we're just not supposed to take care of ourselves, huh? Okay, well I just guess we just won't take care of ourselves. Okay, well, let's just take this to the extreme. Let's do this. Let's not think of ourselves at all. Uh, Let's only take care of others. Let's all go live in a ditch with one set of clothes, no money and and no job. But hey, we can mow people's lawns because that's helping other people. Uh, We we can uh, help them in various ways. That's who we just should be because that's what the Bible says. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Mm. That's the way it ought to be. Look, even Jesus took care of himself. Even Jesus ate. Even Jesus took care of his own body. I mean, come on. Uh, God is not calling on us to do something he has not done. In fact, if you look closely at that verse, in the King James, it says, Look not every man on his own things. Oh, Look, look not every man on his own things. Okay, so we are to look at our own things, but we're also, it says, but every man also on the things of others, but also on the things of others. In the, in the, in the uh, New American Standard Version that I read, it says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests. So you are supposed to take care of yourself. We are supposed to do that, but others come first. We look out for them and then we take care of ourselves. We look out for others and what they need. Uh, look, Does your neighbor need a limb taken out of his yard? I can tell you now, today, right now, there are people who are going to need help. Is that something you can do? Is that something I can do? That's something that can happen this week. You can help people to clear their lawns. But you think of others. Then get back to your own lawn. You know? And, and, and don't, don't be worried. Check with them first. You don't want to walk up in someone's lawn and have somebody say, get off my lawn. Uh, but you do want to help them, so call them. Got any limbs down? Can I help you? Is there something I can do? But think of others. Think of others. When we treat others before treating ourselves, the house of unity can be built. If you help someone else, then you know they have been helped. And if you have Christ in your heart, you're asking, is there somebody out there that needs help? If you have Christ in your heart, you're thinking of a neighbor. You're thinking, well, I wonder if they're okay. You've called them. You've checked on them. So if you have Christ in your heart, there's something in you that wants to know that others are okay. Well, if you go and help them, you will know they're okay. And you won't have to wonder, well, you know, I was there. I helped them. You will know that. And you'll know that they are okay. How do you know them at all and how they are doing if you're only looking at yourself? How do you know how they're doing if you never check on them? If the love of Christ is inside you, if you are a believer, then you will have a care and concern for the well-being of others. I feel I need to say something else uh, here. There are some in our world uh, who hear this and say, well, yeah, you know what? Some of those church people are pretty nosy people. You know they, they they just you know they' they're real nosy and 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 they're gossipy and and I don't want to be a part of that and and, and they they look at church people sometimes as being busybodies. Some think that churchgoers are nosy people who walk in a costume of care, running around getting as much data on people as they can. Let's show the world that's not who we are. That's not who we are. We truly do care. We don't want to just know information. We want to know information so we can help. And so we do. Paul instructs us when he does to look out for the interest of others. That does not mean that we have to know where every, everywhere a person goes and everybody they talk to and everything they're involved in. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is, Paul is encouraging us to care for one another. Paul is encouraging us to know about those in need. And he wants us out of our love for Christ to care for them. To be humble. To be, to step down and say, okay, wait, I'm not the most important person in this world. There are other people in need. I need to go help them. I need to find them. I need to do something to help. Think about this. If, look, if each one of us, if each one of us is taking care of those around us, then nobody gets left out. I have found that there is always someone who will finally ask, you know, how are you doing today? How are you doing? It's tough. It's tough just to live in this world. But we don't need to live alone in this world. We need to know that there are people who care. And there, look, Paul has shared this with us here. This unity to be united in one spirit, maintaining the love, be of the same mind, intent on the one purpose, sharing the good news, and being humble, stepping down, thinking of others before we think of ourselves. The Bible calls us to be united as one, as believers. The Bible calls on us to be humble one to another. Where are you? Where are you? These building blocks of the church. First, obviously, Christ. Christ is the cornerstone. And then these other characteristics build on top of each other. And when people look at the church, we want them to see Christ. But as they look at us, sometimes they're hampered. Sometimes they're hindered. Sometimes they can't look past how we're acting and see Christ. That's why it's important that we have these characteristics of Christ and that we live out these characteristics of unity and humility. It's so important that they're able to see Jesus in us. Are we blocking their view by how we live? Are we blocking their view of Christ? My prayer is that you have Christ in your heart. My prayer is that you're allowing people to be able to see Him in your life. That you're not blocking people's view of Jesus by the way that you live, by the way that you interact with others, by the way you react to situations. My prayer is that people can see Jesus in you. Maybe you you need Jesus in your heart. Maybe you're listening to this, you're watching this, and you're thinking, you know what? I, I don't have Christ in my heart. Maybe today you'd like to ask Him to come into your heart. To, be, to, to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you're sorry for your sins. You want to repent. The Bible's a good Bible word, repent. It means to turn away from your sin. To turn away, to go the opposite direction. Maybe that is your desire today. To walk in the other direction. To be forgiven of your sin. To repent of your sin. To walk away. To ask Christ to come in. To forgive you of your sin. And to be in charge of your life. Maybe today is the day you give your heart to Christ. Maybe today is the day you want to tell Him that's what you want in your heart. Would you pray with me this morning? And as I pray, I'm going to ask uh, that you simply just, you can repeat these words after me. Again, these words are not magical, but we've got to express to the Lord what you want Him to do. So would you repeat these words after me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sins. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you come into my heart? Will you be in charge of my life forever? If you prayed those words and you meant them in your heart, Christ came into your heart. He's forgiven you of your sins. You have been made right with God. Your next step is just to allow Him to be in charge of your life. Read your Bible. Start with the Gospel of John. Start reading right there. If you've accepted Christ and, and you're a new creature, a new creation in Christ today, start reading in the book of John. Let us know that you accepted Christ into your heart. This is the most important decision you will ever make. I don't want you to make it just on a whim. I don't want you to make it without giving it any thought. Maybe you you are not ready to pray that prayer today, but maybe you want to talk to someone. Listen, I'll be in the office this week. Call me. Call the church. Let us know. We want to talk with you about this decision to have Christ in your heart. God loves you. He loves you so much He sent His Son Jesus to die on that cross for you. All of your sins, the punishment for those sins, you do not have to take that punishment. Jesus took it for you. And if you'll trust in Christ, you can be forgiven of those sins. If you need to make that decision, would you call us this week? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together this morning. And I pray that as these, all of these who are listening and watching go through this week, God, that you would use them in a mighty way to share your love, to show others what it means to be united, to show others what it means to be humble, to walk in humility, to think of others before self. God, help us to be models of your children models for your family, people that others can look at and say, yes, that is a child of God. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Uh, we're glad that you joined us for words of encouragement. Listen, if you, if you have not made that decision to follow Jesus... We'd love to talk to you about that. You can find us at fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. There's a place that you can click and watch a gospel presentation, or you can just simply email us from our site and then just get in contact with us. Ask us questions. Maybe, maybe you are ready to give your heart to Christ. We want to help you with that if we can. We love you and we do care for you. You do matter. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care even how you feel. You matter in this world. You matter to God and you matter to us. That's not just something we say. It's something we try to live out here at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro. And we hope that you will one day experience his love, whether it's through the people of our church or the people of another Bible-believing church. We hope and pray that you will experience the forgiveness of God as well. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. We hope that you have a great day. Remember, you matter to God and to us.